0: Uh, turn with me in your Bibles to two places, Luke chapter 6 where we've been for many months and then also Proverbs 21, Proverbs 21 we're going to focus in today and um, but uh, I feel like I was going to say something but it's probably just because I love you guys so much. All right, yes, that's all I know. Did, did you tell them that we've raised, uh, 11, we've raised $1,100 to the classroom project? So we're very close. So, somebody's thinking, oh, I just gave 1000 <laughs> Well, there you go. We're there now. No, but, uh, okay, so we're doing good. God is doing good, some great stuff here in our church, and we're excited. So, I want you to get connected this fall, and we want you to invite people, like my wife said. So, all right. Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 46. I am uh, glad to be back. If you didn't hear Jen... Sam and Kurt preach in August. I think that's how many, I, was, I would, didn't preach for a few weeks. I was here, but this evening. Get those CDs or check them on the podcast. Powerful words from God, very prophetic, I felt, from the Lord for us. All right. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Listen to this. Jesus says, not just to them, but to you, to us today, right now, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. We've been learning, as the slide said, we've been learning to steward the kingdom of God. We've been learning that Jesus is Lord. He's the master. He's the owner. And if he's the owner, that means we're the managers, right? That's all that the word steward means. Steward means manager. So we've been learning for months now with a number of interludes, right? That uh, uh, that the Lord owns everything. That our job, not just because he created us, because he bought us with his blood, our job is to... Uh, honor him with what he's given us and to steward it we've been learning as it says uh, in Hebrews 11 we've been learning that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him we've been learning if you think about it for the number, last number of months that we've been learning to come to Jesus hear his sayings and do them I don't know if you caught this or not but for the last many months we've been unpacking this one passage. You thought, I know some of you thought, Oh, it wasn't a three point sermon, Dave. No, 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 we aim to live the Bible. So we didn't rush through Luke chapter six. We've stayed there for a while. And we've learning, we're learning from Jesus that He wants us to come to Him. And that if we'll seek Him, He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. He's, he's been teaching us, come to me. He's been showing us. If you reflect on some of the word that's coming from me, not that there hasn't been other preachers, you, if you reflect, he's been teaching us, you come to me. I want to be in communion with you. I want to fellowship with you. He's been teaching us this from his word. Right there from Luke chapter 6, come to me. And then, and then we took like months in the middle of this series to talk about a promise In the word that Jesus says, all shall be taught by me. And we learn not only just the promise that you can hear God, but we learn how to do it. We learn a little bit at least of how to be led by the Spirit. How to come to Jesus and to hear Him in the word of God, but also by His Spirit. Who continues to teach us and lead us into all truth, Jesus said. And now, we're finally at a point where we're learning how to steward or how to do what he said. Come, hear, do. We've been learning that he's Lord. We've been learning, I love this verse in 1 Corinthians 4 1. Paul talks about the servant, a servant or a steward, and he says, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found. That's what we've been learning. We've been learning that if it's true that Jesus bought us with his blood, and the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, therefore we no longer live for ourselves but for him who died for us and rose again, then it reframes our whole life around a desire to please him and to do his will. Amen? Not my will, but your will be done. Jesus said, My food is to do God's will and to finish the work he's called us to. You are a servant of the Lord. Oh, you're also his kids. You're also the bride of Christ. But you are the servants of the Lord. We are servants of the Lord and we are stewards of his kingdom. Everything you have has been brought into his kingdom when you got saved and has come under his lordship, your time, your money, your relationships. See, this is the big shift that has to happen in a Christ follower's life. Too many Christ followers think that God needs to do something for me. Oh, he wants to bless and he wants to reward those who diligently seek him. But The blessing flows through obedience, right? See, a Christ follower is one who has surrendered their life to Jesus. Oh, and we've received forgiveness and we can be confident in the reward of God. But a Christ follower has made Jesus Lord. Amen? And the shift is it's not my kingdom, Lord. It's yours. So therefore... It's not my money. It's not my marriage. It's not my time. It's not my job. It's not my ministry. Now, I don't mean to say that in the sense of abdicating responsibility. Oh, it's not not my responsibility. No, no, no. Opposite It's your relationship. These are your kids. This is your church. But what's your will? Learning to come to him, convinced that he's going to provide for us and bless us. We've been learning to hear His sayings. We need to be led by the Spirit. How can you be faithful if you don't know what the will of your master or owner is, right? We're learning. What is required of a steward? What's required of a steward? Put that verse up there, Sam or or, or Richie. 1 Corinthians 4.2. 1 Corinthians 4.2. 1 Corinthians Corinthians 4.2. What is required? Next verse. What is required of a steward? Open screen test Everybody say it. Come on now. Everybody say it. Faithfulness. Found faithful. That's required of a steward. That's what we're learning. What is, how, do, how can we be faithful to the Lord to serve Him, to bring Him glory, convinced that He is going to bless us? That's what we've been learning. That's what we've been learning. <clears throat> Here with me to Proverbs 21. Let's unpack this. I want to talk to you today about planning to succeed. The plan to succeed. The going to help you to be faithful, to steward his kingdom, to do what he says. It's right here, in Proverbs 21, verse 5. 21, 5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty, Surely to poverty. That again. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. But those of everyone who is hasty, surely to poverty. The Proverbs is full of wisdom. It's how we steward the kingdom. Proverbs are full of wisdom. This is the key principle right here of what a steward is called to do in order to be faithful. Key principle here. Plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. The diligent become leaders. The diligent become the boss. The diligent, the Bible says, will rule, Proverbs says. The diligent will rule. Lazy person becomes a slave. In our language, boss versus just an employee. Leads to plenty, the Bible says in Proverbs, the diligent become rich. Abundance in their life. they're plenty. Plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. See, this implies a couple of things, doesn't it? The plans of the diligent. The plans of the diligent. Think about it. The plans of the diligent applies, implies a couple of things. Implies number one. Diligent people plan. Right? kind of simple. The plans of the diligent prosper. They lead to plenty. It implies that diligent people plan. But it implies another thing, doesn't it? The diligent people who plan put it into action. The plans of the diligent lead to plenty. Not planning leads to plenty. And not just activity leads to plenty. No, the plans... Of the diligent, surely, meaning there's a confidence here, it will lead to plenty. It will lead to riches, it will lead to promotion, it will lead to these things. See, just activity, just working hard, just busyness does not always lead to plenty. You can be busy and totally miss what, number one, you are called to do by God. You could be busy disobeying God. You could be busy doing what you want to do, not what God has called you to do. But you could also be very busy and completely be ruining things. Can you imagine? Even as an employee, right? I mean, let's just like, let's take, take a silly example, you know, from, say, I used to work at Taco Bell, right? Not like used to, like last year, like when I was 16, 15, 16. So imagine that my job at the moment is to be working the drive-through and very hard and very fast because we got to keep the time under 30 seconds per car and be friendly and not burn yourself, no, right? And and what if I was out there sweeping the patio in the outside? I'm working hard. Uh yeah, and the cars are backed up, right? Just doing activity does not mean you're doing being successful. Right? Just activity with no plan is unfocused, unfocused, and distracted. Oftentimes when we don't have a plan, we're distracted and diffused in our efforts. And it does not always lead to success. Can you imagine somebody who always goes to school but never gets a degree? Will it lead to plenty? No. Do you have a plan? Are you going in a direction? It's okay to always be learning I'm not saying that. I like learning. I just mean that if you never make it towards the graduation, then how has that even helped you to get into how are you using that degree? If you're going to be like that, just take the auditing, right? Don't waste the money for the degree. That's what you're paying for. You're paying for a degree. Okay, things like that. Can Can you imagine that, right? Or oftentimes, you start on one project, and then you go to another project, and then to another project, and then you've got a bunch of half-done things in your house, probably even worse because you had to dismantle that thing to fix it, but you never really fixed it, right? So now your house is like a half-done thing, a bunch of projects never been finished, right? You ever done that? I mean, I know, yeah, you start cleaning this and cleaning that and pulling this stuff out of this cabinet and doing this and doing that, and then everything's like a bombshell. Now, hey, look, sometimes it just takes time, but literally... Multitasking, not a good idea. Trying to do a million things. No, just, why? You need a plan. You need a plan. See, some people, they they just get going, but they don't have a plan. Other times, on the opposite side of things, the opposite side, some people, they're good at the idea, they're good at having a vision, getting excited, but they're not good at implementation, right? See, so... Without implementing the plan, well, then it's just purposeless uh, or just ideology, really, right? Just some nice ideas. Just some nice ideas. It's kind of like, uh, uh, you know, I was thinking about that with like a golfer. You've know, you got to follow through, right? Or a baseball player. You've got to follow through. Follow through. And a lot of people, it's kind of like, you know, they get their stance right. They're working on their stance or, you know, with the golf, or their stance. And you pull back for the golf and... Choke up or something. Got to follow through, right? You got to follow through or it's not gonna, the ball's not going to go where it needs to go, right? So, so many times, there's a lot of talk. There's a lot of planning. Can you imagine somebody literally like sitting for like hours or days, working on their schedule or getting goals together, and like literally that's all they do? Never get on with it? Can you imagine that? I know people, right? You can overplan. You can talk about it too long. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. Listen to this in Proverbs 14, 23. You'll find in the Proverbs balancing, uh, a har, uh, balancing wisdom all the time in the Proverbs. There's never one thing in the Proverbs. Same thing, I mean in relationships, in stewarding money. There's never just one principle. You always have multiple principles that work in harmony. But of course, you need the fear of the Lord to have that harmony. Fear The Lord's being of wisdom not just having one success in one area. Harmonious. So Listen to this in Proverbs 14, 23. In all labor there is profit, but idle shatter leads only to poverty. See, if that's not the plans of the diligent. That's idle chatter. That's, well, I'm going to do this one day, and I'm going to do this, and I'd like to do this. Or it usually sounds more like, and we should, and they should, and a bunch of shoulds. No, come on. We need a plan here. We need a plan, and then we need to put it into action, right? The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. It's a person who comes to Jesus, hears his sayings, and then does it, right? Jesus didn't say, if you come to me and hear my sayings, you'll be like a man founded with their house on the rock. No, if you come to me, hear my sayings, and do them, right? And so here's the thing. Oh, we need to learn how to come to Jesus and plan with him. To plan with him. Then, By the power of his spirit, put it into action. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. You'll begin to be faithful and steward the very things that God has called you to, and you'll begin to see them grow and flourish. Amen? Come on, didn't Nehemiah have a plan to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and he walked around them and surveyed and evaluated? A lot of times you've got to do that. A lot of times you can't just sit there thousands of miles away from jerusalem and say it's on my heart to rebuild the walls of jerusalem no he got he traveled miles and got to jerusalem and he had a plan but you know he had to evaluate first didn't he didn't he might have to evaluate a lot of times you know i've got some thing going on in my home and i'm not necessarily the best at fixing stuff and I, i've got to take a look at it first some people they get paralyzed before they ever evaluate or plan right you know, I remember people, it's like, you know, you, you know, when in college, you know, the first day of class and you get your syllabus or whatever they call it nowadays, I'm a professor, you'd think I'd know what it's called, right? Course outlines, I guess. And you get it, your syllabus, and it's like, some people, they overwhelmed and they just shut down. I don't know what to do. Oh, well, it is overwhelming. But if you can't step out and get going, right, and get a plan for when's the homework going to get done and... Right? So, see, same thing with my house. Oh, man, let me tell you, I'm not the best at fixing stuff, right? So I can get overwhelmed. i get learning to walk in the Spirit, right? I decided that the Bible doesn't say I can't get mad at inaud- inanimate objects. No, I'm just messing around. <laughs> as long as I don't get mad at people, right? No, okay, but anyways, i got to stay in the Spirit. But what I mean is, instead of getting shut down and paralyzed, I don't know how to do it. Sometimes you just got to get in there and find out what the problem is, right? In relationships, with your finances, hiding, ignoring doesn't help, right? So Nehemiah had to get down to Jerusalem, had to walk around the walls, and then he cast the vision to the people, and he rallied the troops, and he said, now you're taking your part of the wall, and you're taking your part of the wall, and you're taking the... He had a plan, did they not? Now, if you read the story of Nehemiah, oh, supernaturally they rebuilt that wall because there was no way they could build it in that amount of time. But when was the power of God and the favor and the blessing of God released? When a man stepped out and implemented a plan, yeah? Come on, didn't Jesus have a plan? Did he not have a plan to raise up 12 disciples and more, of course, but 12 core apostles, we should say, with multiple other disciples and train them and tell them when they surely weren't ready, now go heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, surely freely receive, freely, you know, right? Raise the dead and all that. Freely receive, freely give. He had a plan, did he not? To implement and to train, and then he had a plan to say, I'm going to go to my Father, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit, and you guys are good to go. He had a plan to train and develop, and he still is working that plan. Amen? Amen. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. The things that God has called us to do often take evaluating like Nehemiah and preparing and planning. And they take time to implement those strategies. But we need a plan. So that our action, activity is focused, purposeful activity. It's implementing a plan of action that you've worked out with God, you and God. It means there's things that you might, ideas you had, ideas God might have given you. It means it's collaborative. It's a dialogue. The more and more I'm walking with the Lord and learning to be led by the Spirit, the more I find it's a dialogue with the Lord. Of course, he's the Lord and I'm not. So whatever he says goes. But I find there's a dialogue. And I love hearing God in community because I'm not the Holy Spirit. We are a temple Holy Spirit. So I love it as we work with, I work with the elders and we all hear the Lord together. It takes time. It takes a process of, of sorting these things out with the Lord. You know, I'm seeing, I'm so proud of our church and so many things, but I'm seeing lately, I'm seeing, man, like never before, our kids, elementary school kids, Man, they're on fire for the Lord. You know, I use the word on fire, you know, it's like, what is that, a little Christianese phrase, right? Okay, what do I mean? Man, I'm seeing our kids, our elementary school kids, they're close, they're friends, they're a community. But they're a community of kids who love each other, who are encouraging each other in the Lord. I'm not saying they do it all the time, like they sit around and just do prayer meetings all the time. No, they play, like last night at my house, they were... Playing RAR, no R, I should say, no, pirates. They're playing. Bell said, Josh, what'd you guys play? R. There you go. They're playing R. Okay, so, uh, because Sam's awesome. So, but our kids are hearing the Lord. Many of our kids are doing devotions, they're in the Word. Our kids are encouraging each other in the Lord. I heard of one story of one girl telling another girl in our, in our church, hey, I, I saw, I don't remember the exact word, I'm going to use my, I saw that you kind of have a breakthrough in this. You know, I think it was like, you, you don't get afraid, you know, in this area. I want what you have. Pray for me. What? Okay, they're hearing the Lord. They're ministering to each other. They do ministry in our church. Many of our elementary school kids do ministry in our church. Why is that happening? I just, it's just happening because we're amazing or something, right? Yeah, because, you know, Rosie's amazing, right? Well, she is, but it's not happening just because Rosie's amazing. Listen, years ago, years ago, years ago, we heard the Lord to disciple adults. And kids, but adults. Years ago, we sought the Lord and we came up with Operation Soul Lives. We partnered with The Rock, right? Years ago, I've been saying it. Years ago, I've been casting that vision, speaking to the leaders. Years ago, not just me. I know Jen was there. I know Tom was there. I know Debbie was there. Kurt. And we said, if we'll disciple our adults, if we'll do OSL, and it wasn't OSL, right? It's the discipleship. It's the word. If parents will get in the word, parents will get a breakthrough, Parents will seek the Lord. Oh, it'll transfer to the kids. Did we not say that? And for years, I've been telling Debbie, we must disciple our kids. Years ago, the Lord said, You're discipling adults, but now do what I put you there for. I said, Debbie, we must disciple our kids. We must disciple our kids. She's been developing these things for years. Cast vision. We have a word from the Lord. God and we pray and we talk and we brainstorm and we come up with some ideas and Debbie this whole last year did a thing called Transformers Wednesday nights now it's Tuesday nights by the way parents right Tuesday nights bring your elementary school kids have them invite people powerful discipleship going on on Sundays Tuesdays it builds community they're they're learning doctrine yay means reality truth right is it just what Debbie's doing on Tuesdays or Wednesdays no no Oh, but it's powerful. It's great when Debbie hears that my child is believing a lie and rebukes that lie, that demon, and ministers, you know, not like all like intense freaking kids out, by the way. we don't go, it's a demon. We don't tell kids that. We don't tell kids that. We don't, we just, we don't work with them. No, no, we, we shepherd them into these things. Well, John David, you know, why are you? I said, which kid? No. Hey, what's what's the, but behind the scenes, we're binding those lies, taking our authority, right? It's good that I'm not just doing it. Debbie's doing it, getting breakthrough for my kids, but is it just Debbie? No, it's not just Debbie, it's OSL, it's what, which translates to you as parents, walking with Jesus, transferring that to your kids, right? All of it. Now, why did that happen? Because the plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. Oh, we've still got more fruit. Oh, we're gonna keep growing them. I'm not saying we're oh we're all there. No, I'm not I'm not trying to boast in us, boasting in the Lord right now. We heard the Lord, we put it into plan. Did we just do oh we'll do OSL we for a month and see what happens? Oh, it didn't work. Let's change the program. Let's change, let's try a new thing, let's try another new thing. You realize the vision of this church has not changed nor has our strategy. We just keep pushing on what God has called us to do. Amen? Now, we might hear, oh, this area, grow in this area. Oh, all the time I'm trying to hear the Lord and there might be changes and tweaks. But we're not running off in this area and then, oh, that didn't work. Let's run over here. Oh, let's change this. No gimmick. What's so? Life groups, ministry. These are tools that will change your life, whether you believe me or not. Tools to help you to walk this. Then change you. Help your kids. Change your kids. This is what we've been after. Multiplying disciples and churches. Because the plans of the diligently surely to plenty. Why are these things beginning to manifest? Because we heard the Lord put into action. We're doing it. Other examples, but I should probably move on. Schedule is a plan for your time. A schedule is a plan for your time. You name or assign every minute or hour, whatever. You know what I'm saying? I don't mean to overwhelm you. I just mean like for hours. That time is named something. It's given a name. It's given an assignment. See, time is your tool. It serves you, not you serve time. The Lord has given you 24 hours in a day for you to steward that time, and within that framework, then you do all the other stuff that God's called you to do. My dad used to say, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. That's a good thought. Not a proverb, but it's a good thought. Your schedule is a a plan for your time. That's what this verse is saying. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. A budget is a plan for your money. You are naming or assigning, giving a purpose, a function to every dollar. You're telling it what it's supposed to do instead of it telling you what it's supposed to do. You see what I'm saying? You're not a victim. You're a steward of what God has given you, even if it's little or much. You're a steward of that, and God is calling us to have a plan. Now, look, you might not have a written budget. You might not have a written schedule, whatever, but do you have a plan? Your schedule might be really simple. So spend time with Jesus, go to work, come back, you know, go to this life group, spend time with my family. Like, Dave, it's not that complicated. Great. My life, a little bit more complicated, uh, you know what I'm but yours might not be. But do you have a plan? What has God called you to do? Are you doing it? Or are you just kind of letting things happen and never getting anything done? You got this thing that God's called you to do, but are you doing it? Well, no, not really. No. Why? Because you don't have a plan. If it's not in your schedule, it's not going to happen. What I mean is if your the thing that God's called you to do or some wise principle, some wise principle of living, God wants us to all do, if it's not in your plan, it's not going to happen. So whether you have a written schedule or not, that's not what I'm trying to say. So here's some tools I use, some tools. Number one is I use a thing that we've taught before called roles and goals. It's just a tool for me to hear the Lord, that's all. I'm not talking about doing anything other than planning with God, coming before the Lord, and acknowledging Him in all my ways. But what I'll do is I'll do roles and goals. That means, you know, seasonally I'll sit down before the Lord. It usually takes me some time. But this gives you something to do with God, to be honest with you. See, some of you, God wants an intimate relation with you, but you're thinking, I have no idea what to do. I read my Bible, I prayed, I have no idea what to do. How do I go deeper with God? How about about do this? Do some planning with God. Because he called you. He called you to cultivate. You're created in his image, not just for for, for fellowship and communion, but for companionship. Some of you are like, intimacy with Jesus. I don't know what to do. Do some shoulder to shoulder with Jesus then. You'll encounter intimacy with God by doing the work with the Lord. And some of that starts by you, you and him just sitting down, yeah, read your Bible, pray, worship, and say, Lord, what's going on? What do you want us to do? Roles and goals. What I mean is I list, list my roles, and then I ask the Lord, what do you want me to do in these areas? Sometimes it's just standard like these are things that I'm going to do this season. could be a goal that I want to achieve in that particular area. Sometimes it's things that I need to tweak or adjust, okay? See, so like in this season of my life, for example, I mean, as I sought the Lord over the kind of like, well, the summer, I guess, I started to realize, ironically, right, as we're doing the series on stewardship, I started to realize that my focus on the church and uh, on, my, on my family and, in my, and on my home a little bit had led me, and some other things, I mean, I'm taking responsibility right now, I'm looking at my finances and I'm thinking, oh, man, some things are out of whack. I mean like as terms of a metaphor, it's like weeds are everywhere, right? I mean, even check this out. I went on like a little bit of vacation in June, and then we had the rock conference, and I'm trying to take care of my house, but even I come back and do like my spa's full of like green algae. You know, this is what happened. One day I was like, oh my goodness, the spa's a mess. I mean internally, right? I told my wife, I was like, I'm overwhelmed. This was like one day. Oh then a spasm mess, the two sprinklers are broken. Actually I thought it was one sprinkler was broken, it was actually two. Uh, what was it? The lawn was going crazy and I broke the weed whacker and so I didn't know how to fix the weed whacker and I was overwhelmed, okay? I was just like, ah What I mean is, even just a little bit of vacation and just a, you know, just doing some stuff and oh my goodness, the stuff's falling apart, right? It really wasn't just a few things and I Okay. The same thing I felt like that with my finance, I'm starting to look and I'm going, Oh man, there's some weeds over here and that thing's neglected and I need a, and some of it's not because I don't have a budget. I'll explain this in a second. I'm looking at this stuff, and then even relationships. Okay, it's not like they're all falling apart, but I'm looking at my relationships, and I'm seeking the Lord. I've been learning to. Uh, this all begins for me with you know hearing God, and then what do I do about it, right? So I'm like seeking the Lord for more of the fruit of the spirit. Oh God, show me how to love. Show me how to walk in gentleness and kindness. And then I'm saying, Lord, how do I do? What does this look like practically? And as I'm doing that, the Lord's showing me, man, neglect over here in the relationship, or neglect over, I mean, there's just some things. So I'm looking around at my life, if you can survey, you know, I'm looking, I'm with the Lord, and I'm surveying my stewardship, and I'm going, oh man, I got like weeds everywhere. You know, there's fruit, but there's just times where you got to do some maintenance, you got to tweak some stuff, right? Okay, so that's what I've been, I've been hearing the Lord. And I've been saying, okay, 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 here's my kids, some of us are getting older, Rue beyond, you know, ah, they're all bigger all of a sudden, and now they have other emotional needs. Okay, what do I do? What do I do? What's going on? What, what's the goal? What's the strategy here for this season? Okay, so role, roles and goals, just, you know, I'm a parent, I'm a pastor, you know, I'm a husband, you know, that kind of thing, roles, and then I just begin to hear the Lord. I tell you, it takes some time, you know, I hear the Lord, and then I'll say, okay, now how do we do that? And then it's got to work into my schedule. Now, some of it is, like with my kids, it's not like well, you know, I'm home mostly in the evenings. So it's not like that changed my schedule, but the substance of what I do changes, right? Okay, be more focused when I get home, and on it, right? We're on it. We got to do some stuff, like Devo's. We got to get their school pack, you know, things like that. I mean, not school pack, lunch pack for school, and I got to get on it. Okay, so that kind of stuff. And these kind of things get worked into my schedule, so I use. Uh, I use roles and goals as a tool. Number two, I make a to-do list. Oh, if I feel overwhelmed, okay, me, I got calls, I've got meetings, I've got admin stuff I've got to do, I've got, like I said, repairs around my house, okay? Uh, I I write it down. I make a to-do list. Some people who are overwhelmed and get shut down, they don't make a to-do list. They don't have a plan of action. Got nothing to look at and cross it off. I'll tell you, you make a list and it's like, do that, right? I don't mean in your own strength, but you begin to realize, for me, for example, with my house, I begin to realize, oh, okay, okay. I got like three fires I got to put out, and then I got about 10 other maintenance things that they can wait. Prioritize. Make my to do list and I prioritize. Same thing with the church. Same thing with other things. I make a to do list. And then it moves into my schedule. Now, Now I use Gmail, but back in the day, man, oh, I had like one of those binder things, I used Covey when I was in college, I'd get my syllabus, I'd write down what day I'm doing what homework, I'd write down what week I'm doing what project, and I'd map it out, get her done. And even though I was doing lots of ministry, and I was tutoring, and, you know, lots of time with Jesus, I was usually ahead on my homework because I had a plan, okay? Now, uh, now I use Gmail. I use Gmail. But back in the day, like I said, I mean I've used Outlook, I've used paper, I've printed things off. I did it all the wrong ways. No, it was inefficient. Now it's efficient. Now you can just use online calendars, sync to my phone, my iPad, my computer. I can plan stuff. We Deb sees my calendar and we share the church calendar and we can do those kinds of things. Okay? But can you imagine there's people who come, and I have this vision, I want to do this, and I want to do that, and that's great and all. And in fact, I'll listen to people, and I'll pull out of them their desires, I'll pull out of them their vision, it's exciting. But guess what happens, this is inside of me, sooner or later, I get like this, when, when's it going to, when, when, when? What I mean is, oh, I want to do this, and I want to do that, okay, when, what, what day, what time? On the calendar, especially with church stuff, because I, in a sense, orchestrate a number of things, and I kind of know well, we can't have two major events at the same time, right? So we tell like women's, okay, women, you got to do your women's retreat or brunch here, and we got we got to balance things out as a church. We don't overwhelm you, so I got to orchestrate this. So I tell, what, when, when, when? Do you see what I'm saying? You got to have that same thing in your own heart. Okay, Lord, I hear you saying for me to do this. When, like your time with God. I guarantee there are people, many, many who in the sincere, sincere desire of their heart, they want to read their Bible and spend time with God and such. And they do it way less than they really do if you were to evaluate. You want to, but you really don't. You look back over the last six months, how much has you, have you really done it? Not all, not all of us, but many, 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 many. Sincere desire is great, but it will not lead to plenty. You have to have a plan. When do you read your Bible? When will you do this? Because if you don't, everything else will eat it up, right? Everything else. I have to say no to things. I have to cut out time. I have to, right? So I don't really multitask. I block. I call it chunking. I don't know. I'll write a book about it. Just joking. I just chunk. I say, this chunk is with Jesus. This chunk is admin. This chunk is meetings. And what I do is that's kind of a standard template for my, and I got to redo my schedule every few months or whatever, That's kind of like a standard, and then it gets you know. Then I throw my to do list into that admin slot. I throw in the calls into the call slot. I throw the the meetings into the meeting slot. Some things have to be set, like I need to meet with the executive team or whatever, right? That kind of stuff, right? I have I have a Sabbath. The Bible says to take a Sabbath. I don't have time to go over all my principles that I live by, but I have a Sabbath. You don't mess with my Sabbath. My family day, time with Jesus, time with my family, that kind of thing, right? I have a day generally that I do my housework. So then when I'm overwhelmed, I know I'll I'll get to that. Does that make sense? See, I also have to grade papers. That usually doesn't happen. So I have a time for that. But because I'm doing so many other things, listen, if I didn't have a time, I'd either be A, anxious all the time. All the time, I'd be anxious. Or two, I would spend no time with my kids. So what I do is I have a time. I tell, see what I'm saying? I name, I name, I name it. I say, You're grading time. Shut up. No, I'm just, you know, the anxiety, right? Shut up. You're going to get done. Because I'm going to go spend time with my kids right now. I named that time. Named it. Now, I'm not saying be a slave to your schedule. I'm talking about overcoming these things to say, no, you're going to get done. I'm going to do the first things first. God, family, I'll get the grading done. I'm working on getting that, you know, turn the grades around in two weeks. I get better at that. Sometimes grades are the, let. don't say anything, okay? I put you guys first and then the grades, okay, so um, I need a TA. Okay, the same thing, okay, so with the budget, with the budget, I have a budget, it's really simple, income expense, right? Income expense, income expense, I list out all the expenses, they got a total, they got to go zero or the expenses got to go higher, right? Now, some of you, it's fluctuating income, seasonal income, you know, I've got a little bit of that. I also do what's called a cash flow analysis. I don't just have a budget where I label everything, okay. And if there's a problem, you know, if there's a problem, and then you got implement the budget, right? You gotta actually stick to it. But if there's a problem, like it doesn't zero out, or we don't have more, ex- uh, in- I'm sorry, more income than expense. I think I said the wrong way. earlier. We don't have more income than expense. We got a problem, right? Problem. But at least it's called evaluating, right? Walk around the walls, check things out, get a plan. I have a plan. What I also do is called cash flow analysis. That's partly what I started realizing as I analyzed things. Partly Michelle and I have to be tighter on our budget, better communication, we're working on that. So I'm implementing these things. I'm working on it. But I realized it was a cash flow issue. Some of these things were, you know, ah, ooh, that bill, that bill. Okay, I need to work on my cash flow. So I began to look at, uh, and I'll tell you, i got to redo my budget every three months or so. you got to be on it. Time, money, it's like a river. It flows. It changes all the time. Okay? If you're not weeding the garden, if you're not getting, taking care of the bugs, I learned. I had aphids. They killed my cucumbers. I learned the hard way. No, I just... Okay, so you've right? you got to be on it, right? You've got to be on it. You've got to be on it. So I'm always looking at my budget. Now, that's part of the other thing. I haven't put the time into it. I've been so focused on the church and such, I hadn't been giving time to actually redo the budget. I've been like for three months, oh, I need to look at my budget. i got to redo the budget. There's all this cash flow stuff going on. So now all I gotta do though is sit down with the Lord. No, I mean, spend some time with Him. But then I say, okay, not only do I have a budget, and some things had to be cut back and tweaked. Other things I need to make more realistic. But I have this some seasonal income and such. You know, I've talked to people who have like high month and low month, or like sales or commission. And I tell people, what do you? Ha- what's the base you need to live on? What's the base? Okay, now that's your budget. Okay? Now, above that, see what they'll do? What people do is they'll have a high month, and then they'll go have fun. Yay! Then they can't pay their bills the next month. No, 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 no. No, the high month, the high month, you pay your bills and put it in savings. And then the low month, you've got that in your savings for that month. But you begin to, what you do is you don't just do a budget, like a monthly average. You go three-month cash flow kind of a thing. All right? So I got it. For me, it's what's coming in on the... 5th, what's coming in on the 20th, what's coming out on the 5th, what's coming out on the 20th, what's the cash flow. I do a lot of reimbursement stuff, I'm putting stuff out and i got to get stuff back in and I've got to work these kind of things out. Cash flow. When's does stuff come in and when does stuff come out? Okay, This season, like for example, you know, let's say life for example, I work at Life, three months, income needs to last six months. All right, So I just, okay, divide that in half, stretch it, and that works into the budget. Okay, What are the things I budget? I start with tithe it belongs to the Lord. first 10 percent belongs to the Lord. then giving, offering. see, even for me lately, I think this is some of the weeds uh, last year and I've been working on it I've been I'd been uh, uh, trying to oh we got clothes and, and you know with clothes and the kids' sports and all that. I'm trying to bless my kids. I'm trying I'm really trying right? I'm trying to give my wife empower my wife to manage the home really I mean really that's she does all of that. But I'm trying to make sure that she has what she needs. It's the same thing like I'm the lead pastor of this church, and I've got to make sure that the ministries have the money they need, right? Youth ministry, worship, right? I've got to know what they need, and I've got to make, allocate it. Not just me, but you know what I'm saying. I'm responsible. And I wasn't consistently giving above the tide. Now, for I always do, but not, not as much as I wanted, not as much as I should say I felt led by the Lord, and not consistently. So a number of months ago, this is not necessarily recent, it was actually almost like last year. The Lord spoke to me from 2 Corinthians 9 and said, I think it's verse 6, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who sows abundantly will reap abundantly. Oh, see, that, that passage, by the way, has nothing to do with the tithe. The tithe belongs to the Lord. It's talking about offerings. And I knew it from the Lord. The Lord was just basically telling me, you want to see abundance? You need to sow abundantly. Oh, I knew it. I knew the Lord was correcting me. So then I realized... Okay, some things I got to cut back on in my budget. Other things I need to increase. Why? I know it's not just about giving to the Lord and about fueling His kingdom, which is of course most important. It's an investment strategy. How do you think the clothes get paid for? That's what I'm telling myself, not my wife. Like she knows she's a woman of faith. How do you think? How do you think the sports get paid for? Where do you think the blessings come from? And I'm telling myself, hello. Give to the Lord. So I'm getting back, you know, to some things that I need to do. And I'm not even saying it's one, one, one or two percent, probably more like one percent above the tithe. It's not even that much for us, okay? I'm not, I'm not trying to be, oh, look at me. I'm giving $20,000. No, I mean, I'm just saying I have a plan. got to be in the budget. Tithing, giving, taxes, bills, right? We need to, we need to Romans, uh, Romans says that we need to have no... Uh, Owe no one a debt except the debt of love. We pay our bills. Okay? Uh, savings. The Bible speaks of savings. Number one, we give to the Lord. That's our number one savings. But the Bible talks about having savings. That in the, in the house of a wise man will be stores of food and riches. A wise person saves. See, so, you know, one of the ways I save money, long term savings, is it's automatically debit out of our account. It's great. Doesn't mean it have to always be that way. I'm not a slave to that. I do whatever God calls me to do. But I save for college, my kids' college, and some retirement. Not much, not much. I do it in faith. I do it because it's a principle in the word. I do it out of managing and stewarding, right? I also we also have vacation savings, home and car maintenance savings, or saving for the new car, the maintenance. We save. You gotta save, right? So a lot of savings. Because then you save for the car repair, and then you save. Bye-bye money, because you had to repair the car, right? That's how I, oh, I saved that money, but that's why it was there. It could have been worse if I hadn't saved, right? These are the kinds of things I'm doing. So I've got a list of my budget, but then i got the cash flow, right? Okay, moving this money over to savings, got to pay that mortgage. Okay, got to do that, and it's a cash flow. Now listen, it's a boring sermon because this is the boring part of life. But if you don't brush your teeth... If you don't brush your teeth, I love that about Andrew, by the way. If you don't brush your teeth, I always sing to my kids. I'm speaking the word to them while they're brushing their teeth. You got to brush them while you got them. You got to brush them while you got them. I don't know. I came up with this song. It's a joke. That's all I'm learning. You got to brush your teeth. Right? No. Okay. You got to brush your teeth. You got to take a shower. You've got to mow the lawn. You've got to take care of the house. These things are not frivolous, they're you being honoring to the Lord are you honoring the Lord and taking care of the things He's given you. If He has given you a little bit of money, thank Him. Be faithful with it. If He's given you a little house or apartment or something, you thank the Lord, you be faithful with it. Thank the Lord for the little, you be faithful with it. He's going to cause increase because if you're faithful in the little, you'll be faithful in much. But the plans of the diligent lead surely to Plenty. Now, also, you see what I'm doing. I'm prioritizing family. I'm prioritizing God. In my time, God is first. Family, Sabbath. I make sure these things are there. See, so often, because we don't plan, we think activity is where it's at. Oh, no, no, no. You have to take care of yourself, right? See, lazy people, they don't take care of themselves. They'll be very busy. They don't take care of themselves. Only the plans of the diligently truly to plenty, rather than to burnout or other things. Okay, here we go. So, let me wrap up with this. Let me wrap up with this. What do you do? Planning, hearing the Lord, you run up against a wall. Anyone ever feel just overwhelmed? Like, I know I'm talking around are like, oh, I'm overwhelmed. Like, you're the person who, at, when school started, you were overwhelmed and you felt shut down. Maybe you're the perfectionist and you just never could get started because it has to be perfect. You don't know how to fix the house, so you just never look at it. You hide. You don't have the money, so you ignore the clunking going on in your car and it gets worse. Okay, maybe they're, they're that. Or you're so anxious, overwhelmed, and you get shut down. Or you've heard the Lord, but you don't know what to do about it. Right? It's happened to me. I've heard the Lord. I even put it in the schedule, and then I don't do it. This is why I evaluate. I try to look at my goals regularly. I I read the prophetic things from the Lord. I read my goals. I try to do it weekly at least to get myself aligned. But what do you do after three months? You look at it, and you go, oh, I didn't didn't do that. I didn't obey. Does Jesus go, ah, it's all right. Let's do a different thing. No, you know what Jesus does? That's okay. Do that. He's not going to change, like, his mind, you know, unless you miss the timing on something. He'll give grace and he'll show you to do. But literally, sometimes you have things that God's called you to do. You're not doing it. Why not? Why not? Maybe you're afraid, like me. Maybe you haven't really changed something core on the inside of you, put in your schedule, but you didn't really do it. It happens to me a lot. I mean, I'm getting better at it, by the way. I, I stay more aligned with that goal and that purpose. But there's some things I can think of right now. How do you get that breakthrough? How do you get that breakthrough? You need motivation. I don't feel motivated. Lord's telling you, you need to pursue your spouse. I don't feel like it. What do you do? Lord's saying, you need to get out of debt. Oh my goodness. What? And you're so overwhelmed because you did your income expense. Pastor David said, income expense. And you got expense up here and income down here, right? And you're like, ah! What do you do? What do you do when you're overwhelmed emotionally or financially or whatever? What do you do? No, that you know what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it anyways. Listen to Proverbs 16:1. The preparations of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Amen. I'll preach it to you. The preparations, that's not it. The preparations of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. James chapter one says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, and what will he do? He will direct your path, right? What did Jen teach us from Psalm 37? Oh, you trust in the Lord and do good, right? Implement. Commit your way to the Lord, and he will establish it. Commit your way to the Lord, and he will establish it. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. What do you do? Well, you run up against that wall. Cry out to God. Plan with the Lord. You're already coming to him and saying, I want to do your will. How do I steward this? But let's say you've evaluated the money and you've done the budget and you don't have a clue. Because cry out to God and you ask him for wisdom and I declare over you, I tell you what he will do. You ask him, he will give you wisdom, the Bible says in James 1. You cry out to him and he will give you the very thing that you need. If you will seek him, he'll give you exactly what you need. Oh, I love it. I've told you stories before of where I had financial things going on and medical bills that I needed to pay and the insurance company had no clue what was going on and I didn't know what was going on and they were missing me and I was missing them. And I'm crying out to God and I feel like, oh, I'm messing some stuff up here. I cry out to God and the Lord gives me a question. That's it. A question to ask the insurance company. Just a question. It's called a bureaucratic miracle. Because I get on the phone, I call them, I go through the whole gauntlet again, because you have to explain and this and that, and they still don't have any clue, and you hear the same thing, and you say the same thing, okay? And everything's the same. There's the wall. I'm hitting the wall, hitting the wall, hitting the wall, and I said, oh, but did you consider this? Now, did you guys, I think it was, did, do you guys define this as this? No, I was just asking this question. This is what the guy does. guy or Let me ask my supervisor breakthrough, I saved Jesus thousands of money. No, no, he saved me thousands of money. No, it was like over $1,000. Because he gave me a question to ask. I've been overwhelmed before. I know the word of the Lord. I know the goal for the role. I could even put it in my schedule, but in terms of implementing, I say, God, like I needed some breakthrough in some relationships, family and such. And I say, God, what do you want me to do? And in the time of worship, the Lord gave me such a simple thing to do. But it wasn't just that I saw in my spirit what to do. It was kind of like one of those, I get a lot of duh things. You might be smarter, but I'm like, Lord, what do you want? How do I do this? Because I'm being honest with the fact that I don't go, oh, I know what to do. No, I'm like, God, I know what to do, but I'm not doing it. So what do I do? And I just say, God, I need you. And I'm worshiping the Lord. And all of a sudden, I see what to do. So simple. I'll tell you, a lot of times relationships are very simple. Literally, you'll be like, God, this relationship. And the Lord's like, just take him out to dinner. Just ask them this. Or, you know, their spouse, just show them this kind of love. Or like with my kids with devos, all of a sudden, and this has been developing, but we do like sometimes devos at dinner, and now we do a much more organized kind of devotional thing. Michelle does it in the morning with the kids, and I do some stuff at night. Like, for example, I wanted to talk to my son about some serious issues. I didn't really have the courage, but the Lord had showed me to do devos, prayer and worship. I'm sorry, a prayer and a reading the Bible at night. And I had in my, just on my heart, read Matt. Gospel of Matthew, so John David and I have been reading the Gospel of Matthew. I just read it and then we talk about it, right? Oh my goodness. I've been able to talk about those serious things and more. Just right there. I just did what God said, and these things are coming out, right? But here's the thing. I don't just see it in my spirit. The answer comes from the Lord. Listen, the Lord will impart courage to my heart. A lot of times, the very thing that's hindering me is I cry out to God. He shows it to me in my spirit. I see myself doing it, which isn't just the idea. It's not just the strategy. It's literally him prophesying to me that's what you're going to do. Does that make sense? And all of a sudden, I, in the prayer time, I'm like, oh, I can do that. Now, of course, the key is to walk in spirit all the time, right? And I begin to implement it. I'm telling you, I'm getting breakthrough here, not just now, but all the time. But even recently, as I'm looking at my finances and I'm saying, I'm overwhelmed, God. I need your answers. As I'm looking at relationships, and I just want to, you know, like I said, even devotionally with my kids. I want some breakthrough there. And the Lord just say, just do this, just do that. See, the Lord, if you'll come to him, hear his sayings, and you'll honor these principles. You'll say, okay, Lord, I'm going to put these principles into play. When you run up against your own lack of wisdom, you run up against your own foolishness, maybe brokenness from your previous life, maybe, maybe debt, you run up against these things, and I guarantee, what's God going to do? It's going to give you the breakthrough. Amen? And so I declare over you that whatever you put your hand to will you're abiding in Him, if you're delighting in the law. And so in response, as we wrap up today, we're going to have prayer teams come here to the side uh, and in just a moment. And I believe that some of you, you have that wall. There's like a wall inside of your mind. It's like you know what to do, but you can't do it. There's confusion there. And the Bible says, in his light, we see light. The Lord wants to give you clarity. Today, clarity. And, and, and I believe the prayer teams are going to partner with you. Some of you, it's courage. You have fear. You have anxiety. You get overwhelmed. You shut down. You hide. The Lord wants to break that today because he wants you to succeed. He wants you to plan to succeed. He wants you to prosper. And I believe that some of these walls, some of these hindrances are going to fall down because you have not been given a spirit of fear spirit of power, love, and sound mind, that God says to you, you can do whatever I've called you to do. You can do it with the right motive of love, and you can see clearly with a sound mind and be self-controlled and get these things done. You can, but we need to look to the Lord. And anything that's hindering you from believing that and seeing that vision and getting that motivation, the Lord's going to bring that down. See, some of you, it's your marriage, and you don't have motivation And I'm telling you, the Lord's going to cause that wall to fall down and your heart to open up, and you're going to move forward. Some of you, it's debt, and the Lord's going to... Sometimes the strategy is simple. Get that thing out of the interest rate and start paying it off monthly. Sometimes it's that simple. Sometimes you don't see it, and the Lord just says, you know, if you just allocate $200 to that every month, get it done. Now, I don't know what it is for you. It could be even more than that. But listen, it doesn't matter what the strategy is. He's going to speak to you, and he's going to give you the ability to do it. Amen? Some of this isn't just going to happen because the prayer teams lay hands on you. It's going to be because you spend time with Him. But I'm convinced, as we stand up, go ahead and stand up and let's pray. The prayer teams are going to be here to partner partner with you if you need a breakthrough in what I just said. But for all of us, I believe it's from Psalm 37, what Jen preached a couple weeks ago. Commit your way to the Lord. I want to lead you in doing this, making a commitment to the Lord. I want to lead you to make a commitment to the Lord, to follow Him, to hear His voice and to do what He says. This is not uh, you doing it in your own strength or vain promises. It's receiving grace. I often will do this. I call it consecration. The Bible calls it consecration. Where you give your heart to the Lord. And you say, Lord, I commit my way to you. And what's going to happen is He's going to release those blessings and those promises as you step out like Nehemiah. You step out in obedience, He's going to release His favor. So I want you to repeat after me. If you don't, if you don't want to do this, like you're not ready to make that commitment to the Lord, well, that's you don't have to repeat. But I believe most of you are. I'm going to lead you in making a commitment to the Lord. And so, just right now, say, "Jesus, you are my Lord. I commit my way to you, not my will." But your will. It's your kingdom. Your stuff. And I commit. To follow you. To come to you. To hear your sayings. And to do them. By your grace. I commit. To do what you say. And I thank you Lord. That I can do what you call me to do. Nothing is impossible for me because you are my strength. So I look to you. Tell me what you want me to do and then help me to do it. Amen. Amen. Bless you today. Fellowship, thanks for... You can help us tear down. You can fellowship, you can...